the psalmist wrote, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. The psalmist also wrote in another place, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And so to you, Dana, Vernon, Bill, Betsy, and Carol, and to your families, may the strength and the nearness of the Almighty God be very real to you today. And in the coming days, as you grieve the loss of a loved one. On behalf of the Hostetler family, I welcome all of you to this service this morning. Each of you are here because you knew Mylan, Martha, knew the family. You had some special connection, some special relationship with them. Maybe they touched you in some special way in your life, and you're here out of respect and love. And yes, it is a time of sorrow, because we are parting with someone that was dear to us. We are saying goodbye to someone who we loved very much, and, and so that brings sorrow, that brings pain to our hearts. But dear friends, because of Jesus Christ and because of his great work of salvation that was so evident in the life of Brother Mylan, this parting is but for a short time. This is not the end. Praise the Lord for that. And so, as believers, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. But we have this hope, as the song says, that burns within our hearts. It's a hope in the coming of the Lord. It's a hope in the promise of His Word. And that brings life. That brings joy to us today and throughout life. And so this morning is not only a time of sorrow, but it is also a time of much rejoicing. Because one who has been faithful has went home to meet the Lord. To meet the Heavenly Father. We realize that Brother Mylan has fought a good fight. He has finished his race. He has been faithful. He's not in this old troublesome body anymore. But he is in the very presence of God himself. With the promise of a new body. A body that is like unto his glorious body. The Lord Jesus Christ. And so that brings joy. That brings peace to us today. And so I trust for each of you as family, for each of you as friends, that throughout this service this morning, that your hearts will be drawn heavenward, and that you will find strength as we worship together in singing, and meditating on the promises of God. And may the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified through it all. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we praise you for your faithfulness. We praise you for the joy that you can give us, even in times of grief, in times of sorrow. And while our hearts are heavy this morning in the loss of one that we love so dearly, yet we find peace and we find strength in knowing 
that Brother Milan was faithful, that he was ready to go, that he is now in the presence of his Heavenly Father. And we rest in that, Father. Lord, we pray that as we go through this service, that you would strengthen us in body, soul, and spirit. Give us your grace. Give us your peace. Lord, we want you to be glorified through it all. And I pray especially for the Hostetler family today. May you hold them in your everlasting arms. May you minister deeply to their needs. You know what each one is going through and you care about that. And so we lift them up to the throne of grace. And we pray that through this, through this service today that our hearts could be drawn closer to you, dear God. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Each of you or most of you should have a bulletin that gives the order of service. We will simply be following in the order that is listed. And so, uh, Brother Joe Miller will be leading us in some congregational singing. And then we'll turn the time over to uh, Brother Dan Martin, who serves as one of the ministers here along with me. Uh, in the message of the morning, some more singing. And then uh, Jonathan Schrock, who is one of the grandsons, will be sharing the obituary and some of the grandchildren sharing memories as well. And so, may the Lord bless each of you as you take your part.
Well, good morning to all. I, too, want to thank you for coming today. We are glad for each one who has come to remember with us the passing of Brother Mylan. May God's holy name be praised as we worship today. For a message, I invite you to Psalm 103. I understand in the weeks leading up to Brother Mylan's passing, this psalm was read to him, and he was encouraged and blessed by it. And so the family suggested that we use Psalm 103 today, and so with God's help, I will share a few thoughts from this passage. I will be focusing mostly on the first five verses, and I would encourage you at another time in another place to read the complete chapter and, and think on it and meditate on the passage. There's much in this passage in Psalm 103. Psalm 103 begins with the words, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. I want to begin by reading the first five verses of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. In verse 1 and 2, we are admonished three times to bless the Lord. To bless is an act of adoration, an act of deep love and respect. This adoration may be expressed by a look, or words, or by actions. And so to bless the Lord is simply an outward, of, an outward expression of love and respect. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And then we have the phrase that follows, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. What is within us that can or should bless his holy name? Would it not be our hearts, our souls, our minds, our thoughts? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, heart, soul, mind, bless his holy name. In the book of Isaiah, we read about a people who drew near with their mouths and honored God with their lips. Yet God said they had removed their hearts far from me. And so God is truly glorified. God is truly honored when all that is within us is blessing his holy name. The first verse of the hymn, O bless the Lord my soul, O bless the Lord my soul, 
let all within me join and aid my tongue to bless his name whose favors are divine. Verse 2 continues, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. As we go through life, we have folks on every hand offering us benefits. Create an account, they say. Buy a membership. Sign up. All for the purpose of supposed benefits. And as you well know, these benefits often benefit the folks offering them to us more than ourselves. The world's benefits are not being offered from a heart of love or because they care. The end goal is for their own financial gain. As you will see, the benefits in Psalm 103 show us how much God loves us. They show us how much God cares about us. Unlike the world's benefits, these benefits truly will benefit us. Now in this life, and even into eternity. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. The second verse of the hymn, O bless the Lord my soul, O bless the Lord my soul, nor let his mercies lie, forgotten in unthankfulness and without praises die. You know, it's important that we forget not all his benefits. And why, we, and why would we forget God's benefits? Why, we, why would we forget his blessings? And I believe we often forget God's benefits when our hearts have grown cold. When our hearts are cold before God, we quickly become selfish and unthankful. Our human nature is forgetful, and many times that forgetfulness is a tremendous blessing, sometimes not so much. But spiritual forgetfulness is a symptom of an unthankful heart. James 1:17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In verse 3, 4, and 5, we have four serving the Lord benefits. And the first benefit we find in the first part of verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities or all your faults, all your evil and sin. In Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 2, we have a very vivid before and after picture. First, we have a picture of living far from God in iniquity and sin. And then second, we have a picture of being alive in Jesus Christ. I will read Ephesians 2, 1 through 7. And you he made alive 
who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Bless the Lord who forgives all your iniquities. Later in Psalm 103, in verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And so this morning, praise God for complete forgiveness through Jesus Christ. The second benefit we find in the end of verse 3, who heals all your diseases. Have you been healed by God? I'm sure in some ways you have. In fact, we don't even know how many times the Lord has healed our diseases. We would believe that physical healing is from the Lord. And while this earthly, temporary, physical healing is a blessing, we will all age and eventually die. Even the folks who Jesus healed on his time on this earth eventually all died, and so will we. Many of you know that early last week, Mylon requested an anointing. And in the name of Jesus, we laid hands on him and prayed for healing. In faith, we prayed that God's perfect will would be done. And I believe without a doubt that God's perfect will was done. God instead of doing a temporary repair on Mylan's 90-some-year-old body, he chose to make it brand new. You see, for the Christian, like the gospel song says, I'm a winner either way, if I go or if I stay. And that was Mylan's testimony a little over a week ago. He said, I would be okay with the miracle. But he said, if not, that's fine too. Verse 14 and 14, 15, and 16 of Psalm 103 says, For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, 
so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. The Bible tells us that heaven is a place of no more. Heaven is a place of no more. In heaven there is no more sickness and death. In heaven there is no more sorrow and pain. Which is hard for us to imagine because sickness and death is such a big part of our lives. I can almost guarantee you that on your personal prayer list right now you are praying for someone who is dealing with a sickness. And you are also probably praying for someone who just recently lost a loved one. The Bible says in Revelation 21, 4 and 5, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Can you imagine a world with no sickness, no death, no pain, no sorrow? Heaven is a place of no more. And so, yes, God will eventually heal all our diseases. Bless the Lord who heals all your diseases. Verse 3 of the hymn, O bless the Lord my soul, tis he forgives thy sin, tis he relieves thy pain, tis he that heals thy sicknesses and makes thee young again. The third benefit we find in the first part of verse 4. Bless the Lord for redemption, who redeems your life from destruction. If you look at that word destruction, it has the thought of the pit. We all know about destructive living. It's all around us, and some of us here have even experienced it ourselves. Those who, have been, those who have been redeemed from a life of destruction have much to praise the Lord for today. Psalm 40, 1 through 3 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me out, up, out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. 
Bless the Lord who redeems your life from destruction. Benefit number four is a package of three. Bless the Lord for his glorification, provision, and strength. The last part of verse four, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Have you been crowned by God? Have you been crowned by God with his love and compassion? In Exodus chapter 34, the great leader Moses is standing on Mount Sinai. And in verse 5 through 8 of that passage, it says, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worships. Verse 17 and 18 of this Psalm 103 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. Verse 4 of the hymn, O bless the Lord my soul, he crowns thy life with love, when ransomed from the grave, he that redeemed my soul from hell has sovereign power to save. And then the first part of verse 5, the second of the three, who satisfies your mouth or your desires with good things. Good things. The house in which you live, the car that you drive, the clothes that you wear, the food in your refrigerator, freezer, garden, these are good things. And then the many spiritual blessings, Christian fellowship, Christian family, Christian friends, religious freedom, the word of God so available. Verse 5 of the hymn, O bless the Lord my soul, he fills the poor with good. He gives the sufferers rest. The Lord hath judgments for the proud and justice for the oppressed. Bless the Lord who satisfies your mouth or your desires with good things. For what purpose? For what purpose? Well, that brings us to the third of the package of three. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Renewed strength. Renewed strength. 
to the family today, my prayer for you is that you would know and experience all of God's rich benefits, but especially this very last benefit of renewed strength. Funerals are hard work, both physically and emotionally, and I know that firsthand. And so my encouragement to you today and in the days ahead is for you to bless the Lord and wait on him for renewed strength. I will leave you with the words from Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God bless you all.
I will read the obituary and then a number of cousins will share memories of Grandpa. Mylon Moses Hostetler, 93, went to be with the Lord January 1, 2023, at his home, surrounded by family. He was born in Holmes County, Ohio, on May 23, 1929, the youngest son of the late Emery J. and Nettie W. Hostetler. He was also preceded in death by his wife, Martha Kramer Hostetler. The Hostetler family moved from Ohio to Chesapeake, Virginia area when Mylan was six years old. Living across the road from a dairy farm sparked his lifelong interest in all aspects of farming. He felt very rich when the farmer gave him a few cents for volunteering to help with the milking on that farm. A number of years later, Mylan worked full-time for Yoder Dairy, delivering milk to residents. Mylan was never called up for service during World War II, but afterward, at age 17, he and his friend Stanley Warfel served as seagoing cowboys, tending horses, being taken on a ship to Poland to help with the rebuilding of the country after the war. Mylan was always very inventive and creative, beginning with the con conversion of a Norfolk city bus into a home for his bride, Martha Kramer. They were married January 1st, 1950, and lived in the seven and a half by 12 foot bus for five years. The family outgrew the bus and moved into a new brick home that Mylan built with the help of family and neighbors. The family moved from Chesapeake to Amelia and then to Cumberland, Virginia. During those years, Mylan held various jobs, carpentry, welding, and farming, including raising draft horses, his special interest. He was part owner in Amelia Trust, as well as starting buggy top building small storage barns. Mylan was a volunteer EMT with the Cumberland Rescue Squad for 25 years. He always enjoyed helping people and found great satisfaction in serving his community, making many friends along the way. In his retirement, Mylan was especially, especially enjoyed creating and building in his well-stocked shop, including small projects like the wooden bowls he gave each of his children, the grandchildren, and other friends. He thoroughly relished the challenge of making something out of nothing, like the elevator he created from an old forklift or his donkey, made from an old lawnmower to ride around at the local auctions. Mylan and Martha both made early commitments to the Lord Jesus, and their faith was a firm foundation for their marriage and family. They were longtime members of the Mennonite Church, first at Chesapeake and then Amelia. In later years, they were members of Ebenezer Mennonite Church at South Boston, Virginia. Mylan is survived by Dana Fern Marvin Krupp, Vernon Faith Hostetler, Bill Brenda Hostetler, Betsy Mark Schult, Carol Gary Schrock, 22 grandchildren, and 34 great-grandchildren. Okay, a number of us will share memories. Um, we had many good times uh, with, with Grandpa, and some of the warmest memories I have were at his house, because there was a there's always a distinct feeling of connection to the past in a place like your grandparents' home, especially when the home never changes. Uh, Grandpa had a, unique <laughs> had a unique interest in trinkets and um, interesting things, and these spread through all areas of his life. 
he was always teasing and joking, and he never lost his sense of fun, ever. Um, I remember one time I was traveling through with some friends, and of course I asked if we could stay at his house, and he said, well, I suppose so. And so we did. And we, I have no idea why, but stayed up and talked and goofed off and joked late into the night. And uh, Grandpa had gone to bed at a normal hour, and somewhere around maybe 1 o'clock in the morning, he kind of walked out bleary-eyed and said, have you guys considered maybe going to bed yet? (laughs) And I said, well, yes, we have, in fact, thought we would probably be getting to that pretty soon, especially now that we had woke him up. And he said, well, I, I, I think that's a good idea. In, in fact, it's such a good idea, I'd already thought of it yesterday evening. <laughs> so um, we promptly, you know, shut things down and went to bed. And the next day, he didn't say a word about it. He, was, uh, he wasn't upset at all. And he never was. I, I don't remember anything, I, I really don't remember ever even being reprimanded by him. He was always... Um, very gracious towards us. And I see that a lot more now as an adult. He was always very, very kind to us. Um, And as he got older, he had a bit more um, interest in us, I believe. Like he saw us more maybe as as peers. um, And that came through, that warmth came through a lot more. And the last couple of years, he had a particular interest in finding me a wife for some reason. Um, And it came up every time I saw him. And I'm not sure why, but it it just did. And so he would always ask me, how goes the search? And I said, well, not necessarily searching, but um, okay. And he said, well, he was at visiting our church. He said, well, what what about the young lady sitting behind you in church today? I said, who? I didn't see anyone sitting behind me in church. And he said, oh, yeah. So he described her to me, and I said, oh, I know who you're talking about. I said, well, I think she's about 20 years older than me, so I just don't think it's going to work out too well. And he said, oh, well, from where I was sitting, she seemed pretty young to me. <laughs> so um, I said, well, well, uh, yeah, okay, that may be. But I said, I believe that her, her children and, fa- and husband... May, may not appreciate that very much. <laughs> and he just smiled and laughed. He said, well, that could pose a little bit of a problem. <laughs> so um, that, was, that was just how he was. And uh, I always appreciated that because he, was, he never took himself too seriously while also being a very serious person. Um, and that's something I appreciated a lot. Um, he, he, he was very, very serious, but he also, he just had a way of like, taking things down a notch and and just appreciating the moment and having fun with it. Um, So I just appreciated that. And his steady presence in our lives was a very grounding thing. And that's something I value very much and um, have learned a lot from. Um, Something I appreciate just so much. Um, So yeah, we will miss him. But uh, he gave us all a great gift. When I put this together, this has been a compilation that I've been thinking about for the last few weeks. And I had told Rachel that it was relatively short. I thought it had a page and a half. Last night I was reviewing everything and it was actually two and a half pages. So I have condensed it a little bit because I didn't need to be up here for 10 minutes rambling. 
when I think of grandpa, I think of somebody who was soft-spoken, laid back, and had a quiet demeanor. He was not the kind of person who necessarily commanded a room or immediately became the center of attention. However, he loved interacting with people and swapping stories with people. And he had a sense of humor that was often quite dry, and I loved that about him. Always a quick wit. When I think of Grandpa, I think of the way he often told his grandchildren goodbye when we visited. For the boys, he'd say with a twinkle in his eye, now you be a good girl. And to the girls, he'd reverse it, you be a good, you be a good boy. <laughs> when I think of Grandpa, I think of someone who liked order. His workshop was always well-organized with a specific place for each tool. His house was much the same way. Everything had a specific place, right down to the wooden spoon that propped open the cover of his coffee pot. <clears throat> when I think of Grandpa, I think of fascinating mementos from the past. Grandpa was not a pack rat, but he also did not throw everything away. In the living room above the desk is a curio cabinet filled with small items that each tell a story about Grandpa's life and his family. Most people probably would have tossed the clunky brown 1950s light switches, but Grandpa kept them because they were once part of the city bus that he renovated and tur turned into a tiny home. Thanks to Grandpa, my cousins and I have had the privilege to see and touch tangible elements of his life. <clears throat> when I think of Grandpa, I think of inventing inventions. He designed two machines that silked corn far more efficiently and quickly than doing it by hand. I remember many hot, sticky summer days where my siblings and I helped mom do up corn at grandma and grandpa's house. And I remember being so excited the first day that I was old enough to use one of grandpa's machines. <clears throat> I, remember, <laughs> I remember feeling sorry for people who, who didn't have weren't able to use such an awesome machine like what Grandpa had. These poor souls had to do everything by hand. When I think of Grandpa, I think of his particular dietary preferences. <laughs> Mention chicken in his presence and he would almost visibly recoil in disgust. <laughs> When I lived with him, I quickly learned that if he took a second helping of the meal that I had prepared, then that was a sign that I had scored some cooking points with him. Otherwise, if he didn't care for a particular dish, which was relatively often, <laughs> then he gently informed me that I did not have to bother making that one again. <laughs> I'm sure many a hostess quaked and trembled when they found out that they were going to be hosting Grandpa for a Sunday afternoon meal. Bless you. <laughs> when I think of Grandpa, I think of artistry. That's not necessarily a term I would have put to him probably years ago, but as an adult, and I, I survey the different things that he has designed and created and from scratch often. And I think artistry is a word that aptly describes him. He did so many creative things, from the woodworking that was already mentioned to inventing things like corn silking machines. 
I see his ingenuity and his creativity reflected in his children and his grandchildren. We have musicians, woodworkers, a magazine editor, writers, bakers, videographers, floral designers, artists who sketch and draw, seamstresses, gardeners, and so many more. I like to think that perhaps some or all of that is partially influenced by the creativity that Grandpa brought to our lives. As I reflect on Grandpa's life, I'm reminded of a quote by Jackie Hill Perry. In heaven, we will be ourselves. The truest version of us, in fact. Imagine it. You, personality and all, with no sin, no guard, no insecurity or fear, just you as a free being, finally and forever. Grandpa is experiencing all of that in the glorious presence of his Savior. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, Grandpa is free from all fear, heartache, anxiety, and temptation. This earthly death is not the end. It's the beginning of a beautiful life everlasting. This is the very reason Jesus chose to die. He chose death so that we could choose life. I know that one of Grandpa's deepest wishes was that each one of his family members would know the peace that only Jesus can give. And I know that he dearly hoped to be able to see all of his family again one day. Grandpa, I love you, and I'm so glad that I had the privilege of being your granddaughter. You be a good girl now. <laughs> As I thought about what I wanted to share, <clears throat> I took a little tour back through time and thought especially of the various lessons and legacies that Grandpa left me personally and <coughs> so many others, and I've just jotted down some of them that I'll share. <clears throat> As a little child, I remember the long drives to Virginia from Tennessee, it was about eight hours and the excitement of finally arriving. Grandpa and Grandma would often be waiting on the stoop to greet us as we arrived, and there was nothing like coming to their house. Like John mentioned, it was warm and cozy, and it smelled just a certain way. That was just Grandpa and Grandma's house. In some ways, it kind of felt like coming home, and I still have that feeling when I go there. There were endless things to look at and play with, <clears throat> and even as I ache to realize that those days are over now, I am so full of gratitude for the 35 years that I personally got to know Grandpa. 
When I think of him, I most remember his quietness. Grandpa was a man who kept his peace. He listened a lot and spoke little. Not because he had nothing to say, but because he believed words should be measured carefully. Thank you, Grandpa, for, some, for showing me that it is okay to sometimes say nothing and that sometimes silence is what leaves room for God to work. From Grandpa, I gained a love for inventiveness and tinkering. He would spend hours in the quiet of his shop, dreaming up new contraptions to make life more efficient. Long before the term was trendy, he showed me how to work smarter, not harder. When faced with an obstacle, he would study it carefully and work out a solution, often in unique ways. Thank you, Grandpa, for showing me that there is always more than one way to skin a cat. Time would fail me to recount the memories of humor, unique interests, and stories that he leaves behind. But I must honor his greatest legacy of all, that Grandpa kept the faith. He was unwavering in his convictions, in his desire to live a life of faithfulness to the end. In a world of change and upheaval, Grandpa's steadfastness to God was a rock. Though often lived so quietly that it might be missed, his faith was a force that will reverberate through the generations. <clears throat> a few weeks ago, I had the privilege of spending a few hours with Grandpa. I didn't know it then, but that would be the last time I would see him alive. And I shared with him some difficult losses that we have faced. And you know, Grandpa wasn't always the most expressive person, but with tears on his cheeks, he said, sometimes we just have to submit our desires to him. And it was a very holy moment for me because I knew that these were words he had lived himself over a lifetime of following God. Of all the lessons he left me, this would be the greatest, that life is hard, but God is faithful and he can be trusted. Grandpa, you are home now. I love to think of all of the ones, grandma, your brother, the unborn grand and great-grandchildren who are waiting there to meet you and for the endless days you now enjoy with them and with the Lord who you loved faithfully all the way to the end. One of the things we all remember Grandpa for is his one-liners and quick wit. And I've been slowly writing them down as I think of them. And one that fits well is a gallon of words for a teaspoon of thought. Oftentimes he'd be wearing shirts that had name tags on them. I don't even know where he got them, but he was always wearing a different one, it seemed like. And you'd ask, oh, okay. And you'd look at, oh, how's, you know, John or whatever, or Octavian. He's like, I'm undercover. <laughs> Grandpa marks the end of an era, the greatest generation, a generation that lived through the most momentous changes in history. Grandpa experienced the Great Depression, World War II, the moon landings, the invention of computers and the internet. Yet Grandpa seemed timeless to me, immortal. Over the course of my life, he never seemed to age, never lost his wit, nor his love for doing another creative project. Grandpa was an anchor, not just to the rich history of the family's past, but also for our present. 
And two, this stability anchors us for the future, a future we can face with courage and a little humor, even in the face of challenges. Visiting Grandpa was like entering another world. He had a way of creating an environment that reflected his personality. We spent untold hours in his shop where we got to look inside the immense inventiveness and creativity he poured into his many projects. His home functioned almost like a museum with endless stories and curiosities that guaranteed I would always learn something new each visit. Grandpa was my link to another world. Grandpa showed what it meant to serve, though he never lifted himself up. It wasn't until last spring that I heard stories of his many years of service as an EMT. And we were talking about it last night. He was a volunteer EMT until, I believe, 78 or 79. An incredible legacy. He was humble about what he had done and assumed a lifestyle of serving and helping others as a normal process. I have glorious memories of that visit, of him saying that God still had a work for him to do and people's lives he wanted to touch. It was inspiring hearing those words telling me, no matter our age, no matter our place in life, we can always speak into others' lives. Grandpa's home was a place that taught me about life. I learned so much about myself and the world through his stories, the many things to explore in his home and his shop. He built a world bent towards learning and chasing curiosity, a world that cared about the past so that we had tools for thinking about the future. Reflecting in the immediate aftermath of his death, several words come to mind to describe Grandpa. Stability, humor, anchor, curiosity, problem-solving, inventor. It seems so odd and impossible that he's gone. He was always the one part of life certain when all else failed. We would return for a visit, and it was always assured Grandpa would be there, just like always welcoming us to his home, making us laugh, telling us stories, and excited to show what new invention he had built since last time we saw him. Grandpa marks the end of an era. Grandpa seemed timeless to me, immortal. But that's just the thing. He is immortal. He lives on through us, and he lives on beyond the reach of all death. So these are from several of the grandchildren and, then, and some of my own as well. Um, some of the things that I remember, sometimes a word picture, I think, is, is um, one of the best ways to remember. And... <clears throat> I think of the Ford tractor, his shop, the barn, and um, when I was in construction, we were repairing the, replacing the roof on the, the um, right side of his, one of his sheds, and it was me and my boss up on the roof working, and Grandpa was um, down below us on the ground, you know, cleaning things up, and I had this long, narrow piece of wood, and I was about to throw it off the roof. It had nails sticking out of it, and I didn't realize exactly where he was, and I winged it off the building sort of carelessly, 
and it missed him by maybe an inch, and he didn't know it. And me and my boss looked at each other with wide eyes, and we never said a thing. But I think I told him maybe 10 years later. <laughs> but, um, and speaking of uh, nearly traumatic events, um, he and I actually served together on the rescue squad that um, Reagan just mentioned. And he actually served a quite a long time um, there until I was probably, I remember running calls with him and he, you know, teaching me things. Um, he was uh, precepting me for uh, driving once and the, we were on the way to a call in a hurry and the brakes inexplicably locked up on the, the ambulance and he kept his cool the whole time, like the perfect person to have in that scenario <clears throat> until we could get another ambulance. Um, Some other word pictures would be wood, just plain wood. He could do anything with wood, um, make anything. Um, some, some words that I remember hearing that most of you will not get at all, but I know all grandchildren will get, is woolly gicks. <laughs> I'll get in your wool. And um, I remember his recliner, we would, <clears throat> we would make it a point, as little children, we would make it a point to go sit in his recliner when he vacated it so that he would have to come sit on us. <laughs> we knew he wouldn't really, you know, sit on us, but he would pretend he would until we moved. And I remember him reading um, Luke 2 every Christmas. Joseph and Mary went down for all the world to be taxed. I just remember, remember that specifically as a memory. His, um, he, he always was about, like has been mentioned, making things um, not necessarily faster, but certainly more efficient. Um, and <laughs> that was borne out in his email address. I was shocked when I found out that my own grandfather had an email. <laughs> that was <clears throat> a revelation, to be sure. But his email address, the first one, was work a little, rest a lot at hotmail.com. <laughs> that is true story. <laughs> All right, some, uh, this is from Zachary. I have nothing but fond memories of visiting Grandpa throughout the years. As kids, my cousins and I played endless hours of football in his front yard and all around the house. Grandpa was supportive even though he didn't like football, him, didn't much like football himself. He allowed us to play in his yard and his shop, even around thousands of dollars worth of equipment. He wanted us to have a good place to enjoy and make memories. I, I never recall him being frustrated at the floods of kids through his house over a holiday time. He was ready with stories and experiences to share with us and to bring input into our lives. He enjoyed us. That came loud and clear in his own quiet manner. I'm thankful for Grandpa's steady, calming effect he had on so many. He never wasted words. Etched in my memory each time we would travel to Virginia for Christmas, and Grandpa would read the Christmas story. His voice was always full of a gentle, matter-of-fact tone as he read scripture. He believed every word he read as if he had viewed it with his own eyes, and he was conveying that to his alert audience. I will always value his example of this, and lastly, I can never forget 
his sharp mind, and quick-witted jokes. Even at age 93 and a half, he was cracking jokes with me as I said goodbye. Those are special moments. It was so good to visit him over Thanksgiving this past year with my five-year-old daughter and see her interact with her great-grandfather. When she asked what his shirt name tag said, his old age response was, I'm working undercover. And in parentheses, he writes, I believe his secondhand shirt said Octavio that day. (laughs) You're one of a kind, Grandpa, and we love you dearly. You are now free and with a new body. I'll always treasure the memories with you and heed your advice to be strong in the Lord. You kept the faith and made it home. Thank you for giving us such a legacy and example to follow. And from, from Marlene. Grandpa's house was a place of stability, predictable in a way that anchored me, but also woke my curiosity. <clears throat> I was fascinated by the things that held stories in his house and on his property, his stories and memories of times long ago, always just under the surface. But Grandpa was also comfortable with curiosity and trying new things. I remember a visit as a newlywed when Grandpa asked my techie husband to help finish setting up his new computer and printer, already his second or third computer. And then we seamlessly transitioned to silking corn for supper on his homemade machine that used a paintbrush. Grandpa, I loved your your ready wit, curious mind, and quiet faithfulness. You opened up my horizons and taught me that we choose the things that are important to us in life. This is from Suzanne. I remember during one visit that Grandpa showed all the cousins around his shop. Playing in his shop was the most fun for me. I loved the smell of the wood and seeing all his projects, and of course all the make-believe games, make-believe in games with the cousins. I cherished the items that he made, a wooden bowl, and of course the stool he sent back with my mom to Oregon from his kitchen. I am so grateful that I had a chance to talk to him on the phone for a little when he had COVID and thank him for the stool. I also love that every time I spoke with him on the phone in the last 10 years, he asked me how I was doing in German. Our conversations in German never made it too far, but it was a very sweet connection that we shared and I loved getting to practice with him. And this is a memory I probably share with my siblings and cousins (laughs) but I always laughed when he told me to be a good boy, and I loved the twinkle in his eye and his sideways (laughs) sideways smile as he said it. From Carmi. Grandpa would always give us grandkids lifesavers, but he would tell us to go into the kitchen to eat them because he couldn't stand the sound of us crunching them with our teeth. (laughs) Along with that, there was always a bottle of vitamin C in the pie safe, and I remember he would ask for vitamin C, excuse me, and I remember we would ask for vitamin C like it was candy. Also, when we were younger, if we sat in Grandpa's chair, he would sit on us before hauling us off his chair. (laughs) From Michael. Grandpa made many friends. It seems like whenever... I meet someone older than myself and they ask who I am related to, the chances are I will hear, 
Oh yes, I know Mylan. And it is always with a fond smile, followed by a good story. <clears throat> Grandpa was in some ways a private man. Grandpa didn't talk a lot about his personal relationship with God, at least in my experience, but he surely had one. I stayed with him one night after a heart operation, an anxious time for him because the after effects of the operation were at that time uncertain. He had been losing sleep and went to bed troubled at the prospect of another restless night. The next morning I asked how he slept. Fine, he said with amazement. When I asked what he attributed this to, he was too overcome to speak. Eyes filled with wonder and gratitude, he simply pointed straight up. It was his God, in other words, who gave him peace. <clears throat> From Deb. A few years ago, I was in D.C. for work, and I drove down to see Grandpa after the conference I was interpreting came to a close. It was early summer, probably June. Aunt Betsy and I went to pick strawberries at a local farm one morning, and then I made a fresh strawberry pie for Grandpa that afternoon. He had two pieces for dessert that night and another piece for breakfast the next morning. We agreed that was the most appropriate way to eat fresh strawberry pie, which is to say every chance we get. <coughs> Excuse me. Grandpa was never one to say the words, I love you, even though I always knew, as I'm sure all my cousins did, just how much Grandpa loved us. Family norms and customs were so different nearly a century ago during Grandpa's childhood, and I remember wondering sometimes if anyone ever said, I love you, in Grandpa's family when he was growing up. But a few years ago, on one of my trips to Virginia, it might have been the same one that, that included an excess of fresh strawberry pie, I taught him the I-L-Y handshake, She's, she uh, does sign language, in sign language, that means I love you. It's not an easy handshape to form, even if you don't have arthritis. Smiley face. <clears throat> but nonetheless, he learned it. And I think it was easier for him than saying the words out loud. We made it our wave goodbye each time I saw him after that. Just two weeks before he died, <clears throat> I got to see Grandpa <clears throat> for the last time. As I was getting ready to leave, he said, Now, if I don't see you again while I'm still here, I will see you in heaven. And I said, yes, you sure will. And I love you, Grandpa. <clears throat> Excuse me. I made the sign, and so did he. It was half hidden by the hospital blanket, but I knew Grandpa's love was there, just as it has always been. <clears throat> we love you, Grandpa.
In just a moment, we will have closing prayer, and I would like to ask Dave Slayball to lead us in closing prayer in just a moment. But first, I will share just a few comments and then a couple of announcements. It goes without saying that Mylan left us a legacy of faith and faithfulness. From an early age, he chose by faith to trust Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And then we have the stories of him living a life of faith. And as has been mentioned already in just the week before he passed away, he exercised his faith again by calling for an anointing, a sign of his surrender to Jesus Christ and what the Lord wanted to do with his life. And we understand that some of his last words were, be faithful, be faithful. That was what was on his heart. That's what mattered to him the most. As you may have noticed on the little plaque here, Mylan's words, be faithful. I really want to see each of you in heaven. It's not always that we have the one who has gone before. It's not always that we have their saying there, speaking to us. I think that's beautiful. I think that's meaningful. You know, each of us are writing a legacy today. Do you know that? You are writing a legacy today. What will your legacy be? You see, one day, this day will be your day. What will be remembered about your life? Mylan really wants to see each one of us in heaven. But dear people, we don't reach heaven by default. We reach heaven through choosing by faith to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior and by living a life of faithfulness. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus asked the question, When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? And I believe he will. I'm confident that he will find faith. Perhaps the more pertinent question to each of us today is, will he find faith in my life? Will he find faith in your life? Mylan left us a legacy of faithfulness. What will you leave? And so today, if the Lord is speaking to you, perhaps you have never made that step of faith. Perhaps you have never chosen by faith to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Or perhaps you have, but you know that you have wandered away from that and the Lord is calling you back home again. Why not do that today? What a beautiful day it would be. How it would change not only this year, but your life. The Lord is speaking to you today. 
listen to that still small voice and reach out and in faith choose him to be your Lord and Savior. A couple announcements yet. There will be a final viewing in just a few moments and then the service will conclude at the cemetery just out back here. Following the graveside, there is a lunch prepared for everyone. There's plenty available, so please stay, enjoy the lunch, fellowship with one another, be encouraged. Okay, Brother Dave, I invite you to come up and share in closing prayer, and then following that, we will look to the ushers for further direction. Will you join me in prayer at this time? Father, it's at times like this that we are reminded of our mortality. That we are but dust. We're reminded of our need of a Savior. And today, how wonderful it is to be reminded again of the truth of your word. That because of your love for us, you provided a Savior. In our lost condition, you sent Jesus to find us. And we rejoice today that you have made a way for those of us who were once far off, alienated by sin, to be able to draw near and find forgiveness, experience redemption, receive your presence through the Holy Spirit and be given the wonderful hope of eternal life. Father, it has been good for us to hear the truth of your word again this morning and to hear the testimony of many of the faithfulness of this dear brother. In our brokenness, Father, may we find comfort. May we find hope. May we find peace. Through the blessed name of Jesus the Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen.